Welcome back to Woodstock Farley Tales. This week, the story coming from the book As the Wave Rose, Florida Tales and Other Wandering Stories, is entitled Love You Crazy. Ever wonder what it's like being insane? I'm not talking about induced psychosis. You know, that kind of crazy that Leary and Alfred did at Harvard in the 60s with LSD. No, I'm talking about honest to goodness crazy in the brain because there's some chemical imbalance or some synapse not firing correctly. The kind of crazy that has you screaming in the corner of a room full of people and you can't stop it. The kind of crazy that Terry went through that night so long ago in Daniel's apartment. The kind of crazy that got her committed to the Florida State Hospital in Chattahoochee. That's the kind of crazy I'm talking about. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Stan's my best friend, always has been, always will be. He was my protector, my bodyguard. When I was in elementary school, I was constantly the kid every bully and everyone who wanted to bully picked on. That is, until I met Stan. Stan immediately liked me, and so the word spread that to mess with me meant you messed with Stan. Stan could back it up, too. If he needed help, which rarely he did, he had four brothers who would back him up. Stan was the keeper of the secrets that only best friends share. He knew that I didn't when I told everyone I did. Best friends are like that. He was the closest thing to a blood brother I ever had. And Stan felt the same about me. Hell, even in his family, I was considered the sixth brother and the seventh child there was a sister. Stan's mom was my other mother. I called her mom. She covered for me with my own mother when I was not where I was supposed to be. She even changed my name. She said, if you'd have been my son by birth, I'd have named you Michael John. So I'm Michael John or MJ to this day. Like I said, Stan and I were tight. We even shared the same girlfriends. When one of us, for whatever reason, ended a relationship, the other, with a blessing, would sometimes step in and continue the relationship. That's what happened when Stan ended his relationship with Terry. I stepped in. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Terry had a past in crazy, a past that neither Stan nor I knew about. People Terry grew up around knew about her past crazy, but no one ever clued us in. Stan met Terry at Daniel's apartment. She was from Daniel's hometown in Central Florida. Looking back on it now, Daniel should have told us about her, but I guess maybe he thought she'd be fine as long as she was on her meds. Trouble came when Terry decided on her own to quit following the doctor's orders and went off her meds. It was the early 70s and there were plenty of drugs out there for almost any condition. At least that's what we all thought. Terry thought she could manage her descent into crazy with a little pot and maybe some downers. Terry was wrong. One night at Daniel's apartment, we had gathered to listen to the new Kiss album. Daniel was convinced this was the best album he had ever heard. Now, I liked the idea of makeup, but the music didn't interest me. Stan and Terry were over in the corner talking, and Terry looked visibly upset. She cowered below Stan and then crumbled to the floor with a screeching wail that I first thought was coming from the album. 
Daniel turned immediately and recognized Terry's crazy scream since he had heard it many times before. Stan, what the hell did you do to that woman? I shouted, laughing over the music. I didn't realize yet that the scream had originated in her head and had to find a way out. Stan just stared at me with a look of horror. Daniel moved quickly and tried to get Terry to focus on him, believing that the recognition would be helpful in settling her down. Terry, look at me. It's Daniel. Terry, remember. We went to high school together. Remember. It wasn't working. Her screaming intensified and Stan looked like he was ready to run. I thought about running with him. Someone, I don't know who, called someone, I don't know who. And after about 30 or 40 minutes of screaming, Terry's sister came in and with the help of Daniel, got Terry out and into a car. As they drove away, I could still hear the screaming. It was several days later that Stan learned Terry had been committed to the Florida State Hospital. He asked if I wanted to go along with him to visit her. During the drive, Stan was unusually quiet, and it was not because of the Jamaican weed we had just smoked. I finally asked, You bum, Cousin Terry? Looking slowly at me as if he was unaware anyone was in the seat next to him, probably the result of the Jamaican, he finally spoke. Yeah. We drove for miles before I asked, she going to be okay? Don't know. We drove the rest of the way in silence. It was a silence that did not prepare us for what we were about to see. When we arrived at the institution, I was struck by how old and creepy the building felt. I later learned it was built in the 1870s and was Florida's first mental institution. Originally, it had been used as an arsenal for the Seminole Indian Wars, but it later became an institution for the mentally insane. I read somewhere that it housed some notable characters. One was Victor Litka, an axe murderer who was convicted, so the police said, because he was a pot addict. The courts used this case to suggest that the use of pot could be linked to criminal intent. Of course, this is bullshit. Me and Stan have been smoking for years, and I can't think of one time either of us took an axe to anyone. The worst we've done is pilfered a bag of munchos from the local 7-Eleven. After parking, we found the front door, and I noticed Stan hesitated with his hand on the door handle for what seemed like a long time. I put my hand on his and helped him turn it. He turned to me with a look that said he was at a loss, didn't know what he would do or say. When we stepped inside, we were immediately disoriented due to the dark lighting. A single bulb hung suspended from a long wire coming from the ceiling. Only one of the fluorescent fixtures was working, but it flickered off and on and provided no constant light. There was a little light coming in from a couple of small windows near the front door. I noticed they were nailed shut. There were a few pieces of worn furniture for visiting in the wide foyer. It was walled on three sides with the opening end spilling into a large high ceiling expanse that had only a single structure in the middle. It was a glass-walled booth in an octagon shape that had only one door and a small window with heavy mesh wire acting as a barrier from those outside the booth. This appeared to be where visitors checked in. There was no sign. The enclosure was, closure was ha inhabited by several nurses in white starch uniforms looking unhappy about the two long hairs who just walked into their quiet sanctuary. 
Stan cautiously approached the window, and a smileless nurse looked up at him, waiting for him to explain why he was standing there. No greeting, no welcome to the Florida State Hospital for the mentally crazy, not even, oh, what the hell do you two hippies want? Stan leaned down to the wire mesh and told the nurses we were there to see Terry. The nurse grumbled something as she checked her clipboard and then looking at Stan and around at me, she told us to have a seat in the foyer they would send for. We waited on the one couch in the foyer for what seemed like a long and unnecessarily period of time. It was as if the nurses delayed bringing Terry to us, perhaps in hopes that we would get discouraged and leave. Finally, Terry appeared from somewhere down a long hall accompanied by a nurse whose sneakered shoes squeaked as she followed Terry. Once the nurse reached the glass booth, she turned and entered and then wrote on a clipboard as she whispered something to the other nurses. They all looked up at once toward us. Terry did not smile as she came tentatively towards us and looked around as if she were searching for the right place to sit. Finally, she sat down between us without any embrace or even a pleasant greeting of good to see you. She just sat there rubbing her hands as she stared silently at the floor. Fumbling in the silence, Stan finally asked, how they treating you here? Terry slowly eyed Stan with a look that that expressed her surprise he would ask such a question. Didn't he understand what it was like to be incarcerated in such a dreary place as this? How are they treating me? Are you crazy? She declared. Without thinking and trying to break the awkwardness of the moment, I offered, No, you are. That's why you're here. Terry peered at me with fear in her eyes, and I thought for a moment that she was going to repeat the screaming episode that got her here. But she just lowered her head and stared at the floor again while muttering weakly that she was sorry. Sorry for what? I wasn't sure. Sorry for being crazy? I couldn't blame her. It wasn't her fault. At least that's what I kept telling myself. I mean, if I had to stay locked up here, I know I would never be uncrazy. This place was not helping her. Stan knew it too. After some more awkward silence, I heard what sounded like glass breaking coming from down the hall from which Terry had just come. Her head shot up with terror in her eyes as several nurses rushed from their guard enclosure, all carrying twisted sheets and running down the hall. I asked Terry, what are they gonna do? Tie someone to their bed? Terry lowered her head again and whispered, yes. After that, the visit was over. There was nothing left to say, so I hugged Terry goodbye. Stan just turned and walked away without saying anything. We drove home in silence, both of us trying to reconcile what we had just experienced. I twisted up a number and offered Stan a hit, but he just waved it off. Stan had never waved off a joint, ever. Mom asked us how Terry was doing. We told her of the sound of broken glass and the nurses with twisted sheets. Mom decided then and there that we needed to spring Terry from her prison. She said that what the girl needed was to be around those that loved her. I noticed Stan had turned his head and stared off down the hallway. I suspected Stan was falling out of love with Terry. He didn't know how to live around her at the moment. We were often crazy ourselves, but this was something different. Terry's crazy was not self-induced. Mom worked her mom magic with her special wand, the phone. Mom had a way that Stan and I never understood. When she picked up the phone, things just got done. 
Somehow, she located and spoke to Terry's parents, who were out of the country at the time. Somehow, she convinced them to grant her temporary custody until they returned. Somehow, she persuaded Terry's doctor that the best thing for Terry's mental health was to allow her to live with us. Mom assured the doctor that Terry's meds would be given properly and she would have regular visits to his office. The next morning, Stan and I headed back north to Chattahoochee. For the next couple of weeks, Terry moved slowly and quietly through the house. She often slept with Stan's sister. There were times Stan and I would come home and find her asleep on the couch. We just left her there. More and more, I watched Stan distance himself from Terry. She attempted to generate affection, but he was just unable to respond. I noticed my feelings for her were growing. It wasn't just a sympathy for her condition. I found myself thinking of her before her crazy. I had always liked Terry and was even a little jealous when Stan first started dating her. But I had not heard Stan say she was no longer his girl. I knew it was coming, but I needed him to say it first. I really wanted to be with her. She might be crazy, Terry was damn cute. Now let me say something about the management of Terry's mental health with the meds the doctors had her on. Stan and I came home one afternoon and found Stan's brother Brad plastered to the big brown easy chair in the living room. He couldn't move and he had really hard time speaking. But when he did, all he could muster was to raise one hand and utter, damn, Terry's got some powerful downers. After that, we got mom to call her doctor, and after working her mom magic again, she got Terry's meds reduced. Terry slowly began to lose her crazy. One evening, I had crashed early in the bunk below stands. Now, the roof was for the boys. Whoever got home first got a bed. There were not enough for all of us with me as part of the family. Many a time, someone of blood slept on the floor because I was in their bed. This particular night, Terry came in quietly to the room. I suspected she was looking for Stan, but he hadn't made it home from work yet. When he, she realized it was me, she slid in next to me under the sheets. After a long silence, she whispered, do me. Dope is a funny way of creating realities that are mostly wannabe realities. You know, the kind that you tell stories about years later to make your past sound like it was something to behold. It impresses those who didn't even know they say they did. I stared at her in the darkness, looking for something in her face that convinced me she had just given me what every guy wishes for, permission without strings. Surely I misunderstood. After all, I was pretty stoned when I crashed. But then she whispered again, do me please. Now that time I heard clearly what she said. I wondered if it was her meds talking or maybe that crazy part of her had gotten out again. If it was the crazy part, I wondered if she would be hacking me up after we did it. I actually thought for a moment it would be worth it to have sex and then have my head split open with an axe. Man, I thought, what a rush that would be. Terry's crazy had nothing on my crazy. Just as I decided to give in to my base nature, the door opened up again, standing there with the hall light shining behind like a halo all around was Jesus. At least that's who I thought was standing there. Later, when my buzz wore off, I realized it was Stan's brother Rutt with his long brown hair and beard. At the moment, I was convinced the Son of God had come to stop me from doing Terry. 
I didn't have Stan's blessing, so I turned from Terry and pretended to go to sleep. She slowly got out of bed and walked past Jesus. He crawled into Stan's bed. The next morning, I rushed out to work, avoiding Terry out of embarrassment for the both of us. I wasn't sure if it was an embarrassment on my part for not doing her or embarrassment on her part for asking and not getting what she wanted. I met up with Stan later that afternoon at the beach to body surf. I was determined to know where he stood with Terry. I needed his blessing. Man, you and Terry still getting it on or what? Stan looked up at the blue sky from the blue water and then at me. I don't know how to handle crazy. I guess it's over. That was it. He was giving me the go ahead and I was going to take it. Next time she said, do me, I would. But the next time never came. One morning, several days later, Terry and I were alone in the house. She was sitting on the couch as I came out of the shower. I sat down with her in my towel, hoping she might want to do it. How you doing, babe? You want to head to the beach or something? Terry looked straight ahead and breathed a deep sigh. Then she began to speak quietly as she lowered her head. Tears began to form in her eyes. Being crazy sucks. Yeah, I know what you mean, I said as I glanced at her with an attempt at understanding. Raising her eyes, she asked, Do you? Do you really understand what crazy is? That you ain't got no control. You ain't never been insane. Not like this where you can't shut it off. You don't know shit. Yeah, I know my crazy don't compare to yours, but I got demons too. My dope crazy is just a way to silence them. She looked into my eyes for some recognition of my experience with hers. And then as if, as if a light went on, she smiled slightly and nodded in agreement that we all got a little crazy. Some just more than others. Do you think we'll ever be sane? She asked as she gently laid her head on my shoulder. I don't know. I don't know how long crazy lasts. So there you have it. Love you crazy. If you've enjoyed this reading from As the Wave Rose, uh, reach out to me at reefer72 at outlook.com. That's reefer, R-E-E-F-E-R, 72 at outlook.com. And send me a slow mail address and I'll mail you a copy. Until next time, this is Woodstock Farley.